remember back to August, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this begins to take fruition. And so Acts 1, 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now what's exciting about that scripture in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the fact that if you're here tonight and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then that scripture, Jesus' words from that verse, has come to fruition. I've been to some places in my life to the ends of the earth. I've lived in New Zealand for three years. I've been uh, to the Ukraine on three different mission trips. I've been to Uganda, Honduras, and Mexico, also Australia when I was in New Zealand. I had the opportunities to talk about Jesus and preach Jesus. I've had the opportunities to worship in those places, and I'm here to say that Acts 1-8 is alive and well. Acts 1 and 8 is continuing on, but the gospel has been proclaimed, the power of the Holy Spirit is moving, and people to the ends of the earth are becoming believers in Jesus Christ. Tonight, the first verse that Max read, it's, it's, it's about the church responding. The, the church responding to the needs of people in verse 25 of chapter 12. And so Barnabas and Saul, it says in that verse, that, that they finished up their mission. What was the mission? If we go back probably three or four weeks, we, we heard, I believe it was Carrie's week, uh, uh, Acts chapter 11, and, and there was a predicted famine in the land, a widespread famine. And so the church in Antioch, what they did was say, they said, man, if you've, if you've got the means, we would like for you to give. Here are some people who have a great need. There's a famine in the land. They need our help. And so the church, they brought money together as a church. They set it at the apostles' feet. And, and then the apostles, uh, or if you will, Saul and Barnabas, they took this money on a mission. So they, they took the money, they helped the need. But then also they would have proclaimed the word of Christ while they were there. They were encouraged uh, to, to do that, and they encouraged the people through the word of God. Now, now please don't miss this. God has a heart. We see it throughout all of Scripture. We see it in this passage. Uh, when I preached uh, Matt, or Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, we saw it there. We see it in the book of Proverbs. We see it throughout Scripture. God has a heart for poor people. God has a heart for those who have a need. And so he said to the church in Antioch, we need to meet that need. And so for us as a church, and I know we're college students, I get that. I know that you're in a different financial situation, I understand that. I know you don't have money right now, I, I get all of that. But, but at the same time, we need to begin to prepare our hearts, if you will, for, for you know, what, what do I love, what do I want to uh, be a part of. We have to, need to prepare our hearts to, to not love money more um, than, than other people. So we need to give, we need to help out when there are needs. I don't really think it matters. For some of you who will graduate um, in a few months or in a few weeks, wherever you, there she is, the one. Um, you know, I'm not sure about this part, but you're going to move on to, to job, to paychecks, to salary possibly, to, to benefits, all those things. And I would say regardless of what stage in life you're in, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to step up and meet needs. It's a challenge to, to give to those who have a need, to, to those who are poor, all of those things. It's something that, that in my life personally for the last year, I feel like I've really struggled with this. 
And I feel like I'm a person who really cares about trying to bless others, to bless people. But at the same time, I give an offering. I give uh, a, a tithe. But there are times like, man, I don't know. I could use this money for this. And so all I'm saying, regardless of the stage of life you're in, it's going to be a challenge. So we need to set our hearts right. And when there are needs, God's people show up. That's what happened in 1225. Uh, Proverbs, a great scripture says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. It's as if we are giving to God himself uh, when we give. The church, moving on to verse 1, chapter 13. The church has spiritual leadership. Okay, so the churches that you're involved in locally, the churches where you've come from, from home, uh, the ministries that you're a part of, there is spiritual leadership. And so in verse 1, Max read the, the different names. There are five different spiritual leaders uh, in this church at Antioch. And it says in this verse that, that there were prophets and that there were teachers. Okay, so these were the leaders of that local body, prophets and teachers. It doesn't specify which ones were prophets and which ones are teachers or if, or if some of those guys had both of those gifts. But it says that, that these were the leaders of the church. And so what is a prophet? I believe it was mentioned already earlier in the semester, but a, a prophet was a, a person that was responsible for delivering messages received directly from God. Now, and we have a good, because we have today our, our smartphones and we've got our, our Bibles, and, and we have Scripture in front of us. We have it with us. Uh, um, right in front of us whenever we would like it. Back then, not the same, right? They had to rely on prophets. They had to rely on teachers to give them a word from the Lord. If they went to a synagogue or a temple, there would have been a, a scroll, right? But they're not carrying scrolls around. And so it was oral tradition, all right? And so they relied on these people, these leaders in the church. Spiritual leaders are people that we should be able to trust. Now, teachers, they're responsible for something else. They're responsible for articulating uh, doctrine, for articulating that truth. And from God's word, uh, they would give that to the community. Okay? We need to make sure, is there false doctrine? Is there false teaching out there today? We look in scripture, we see that. It happens, uh, again, in, in the world that we live in today, where, where people will stand up and they'll say something, and you scratch your head like, I don't know. I don't think that's where, or, or we see that in God's word. And so a teacher is responsible for articulating correct doctrine to the people in the church. Uh, it's primarily through prophets and teachers that a community of believers comes to know right doctrine and proper application for God's word. Doctrine is not enough. It's not enough to come here on a Thursday night or go to your church on Sunday morning and you hear the word of God being preached and proclaimed. That is not enough. In the book of James, it says that we just need to be not just hearers, but we need to also be doers. And so we hear the word of God being proclaimed. We have conversations with friends and leaders about the word of God. You know, we take this in, but if we're not applying it to our lives and using that for good, and if we're not being obedient to God's truth, then it's not for good. And so we need to be obedient to the truth that we're listening to, that we're learning. We need to ask God to convict our hearts. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this time. Holy Spirit, if there's something that I've sung tonight, if there's a word from someone in this place, if there's something from Scripture that I need to work on in my life, that I need to correct, that I'm asking you, God, to help me in this. It's not enough just to, just to listen to the teacher 
to the word, we need to be obedient as well. There are no perfect spiritual leaders, all right? There are no perfect churches out there. We have to have spiritual leaders uh, that guide us in our churches, in our ministries, in our life, but there's no perfect spiritual leader, there's no perfect church that you attend. Because we all wear flesh, we all have a sin nature, and so the people that are leading you, they, they will disappoint you. There will be times where they will trip up as well. We all, the Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. John chapter 8 verse 44 says that the devil is a liar. He wants to trip leaders up. You go through your social media and at least once a month, here's another leader who's fallen, right? Spiritual leaders aren't perfect people. Um, so there's a few things that, that I would like to do or for, for you to keep in mind when it comes to spiritual leaders. For one, I would ask that, that if you have a local church here in town, if you have a local church back home, if you have a campus ministry like this, and for Josh and myself, the other leaders around, if you uh, are, are in a ministry like this, if you would pray for the spiritual leaders. I mean, can you do that? Again, we need help. I'm reminded almost weekly that the enemy, the devil, is trying to mess up church leaders. And so as, as a body, as a community, if we would pray, because we don't want that. We don't want bad for them. We don't want them to, to be teaching one thing and all of a sudden their life is not adding up to what they're teaching. And so there's struggles. And so we as a church or as a community, we need to come around those folks and lift them up in prayer. Pray for them because they're being attacked just like you and I. Also, for our leaders, we need to do something where we're not um, putting them up on a pedestal. We need to put them in proper perspective. They are human beings, right? I think we do this sometimes, like, oh, my gosh, I just love this communicator so much. They're just awesome. This thing, we go on and on and on. Or this person who, who stands up front and front, oh, they're just so awesome. And we put them way up here, and they're human beings, Right? They have flaws. They have a sin nature. They trip up. They mess up. Let's not place them where they shouldn't be. They are not Christ. Right? They, they don't walk on water. They haven't risen from the grave. They're not Jesus. And so we shouldn't worship our spiritual leaders, our pastors, our teachers. Put them in the right perspective. This doesn't mean, um, well, let me step back. Also in that, though, for our spiritual leaders, when it comes to their daily engagements with people, right? Do you all have daily engagements or, or engagements with your spiritual leaders? I hope so. Where you have conversations or coffee or whatever with them? I hope so. Give them grace. In their daily interactions, there are going to be times when they, as a leader, they're going to have a bad day, a bad week, a month, a year, or whatever. There are seasons in life. There are days that just go wrong. That they may speak to you in the wrong way, they may offend you in some way, or whatever the case may be. And man, yes, they are a leader, but we need to give them grace. We need to understand that they're, they're going to mess up, right? And just like we want grace from God, I was reminded of that again this week with our, with our kids, and my wife, you know, she's like, ah, oh, just really convicted, we had a 
really sucky day two days ago. Again. Imagine that. And, and my wife's like, man, I was just reminded, you know, it's so hard sometimes to love. But, but I don't, my wife's saying, I don't deserve it. Right? I don't deserve it. And so we need to give, we need to give grace to people. We need to love our leaders unconditionally. That does not mean that they're not accountable. Okay? When spiritual leaders, when they stand up before you, when they go off, when they sin, whenever, it doesn't mean that we don't hold them accountable. It doesn't mean that there isn't a consequence for actions. But there needs to be grace. There also needs to be accountability. And then also um, for the Cape, for some of you in the spring in May, as you leave IU, as you move on to the next chapter in life, I would hope the church community is a part of it. When you land that internship for the summer, when you land that job for real in a few months, right, I would hope that a church community is a part of your search. That is so important. Like, do you realize that if you want to have a faith or be in the faith at 30 years old, that from 21 to 30 in this next phase of life, you better be in a spiritual community. And it's really, it's that way for the rest of our lives, but it's huge. People are getting married, they're landing their job, they're buying homes, they're moving up to that next whatever ladder, right? All these things are happening. And there are temptations to, to, to lose our focus on what the mission, what the kingdom living is all about. So I hope when you leave this place, that a church is something that's on your radar. Hey, I'm moving to Utah, or I'm moving to Indianapolis, or I'm going to this place or that place. Wherever you go, man, the, the internet, you know, you start to search. What churches are there? You go on that church's website, and you begin to listen to the sermons. Are they preaching the word of God? Maybe you email a spiritual leader, a church leader, and you say, you know what? Come into your area. I would love to sit down and have coffee with you. I would love to hear the heart, the mission. What are you guys about? See if it resonates with who you are as a person. Do your research. We probably have CSF alumni in places that you're going to. Can you connect with them and get involved in churches? Talk to staff. We'll see if we know people as well. But don't take this lightly. As you move on from this place and you go to the next place, where is that next spiritual community that you can be a part of? Research, it's important. The church, uh, moving on to, to the next verse, verse 2. The church also hears and responds to the Holy Spirit. I love that. Kerry Curry, about, what, maybe three weeks ago, uh, he spoke on the Holy Spirit, the Forgotten God book that he referenced that some of you guys are going through. I mean, that's that we, we, we do sometimes forget about the Holy Spirit. And, and so the church hears and responds to the Spirit. Verse 2, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. I love that. The Holy Spirit in a church Gathering. It wasn't a Sunday morning worship, I'm sure. It's probably somebody's house. The church got together. They came back to hear Saul and Barnabas, the report that they had from the mission trip that they just went on. They came back. They gathered as a, poor, uh, as a church, as a community, and, and, and they're worshiping and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, I love that. I mean, the Holy Spirit is alive. The Holy Spirit is well, right? He's active. 
for those of you in this room tonight who believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, you have the Holy Spirit residing in you. Again, Acts 1.8, there's power in that. The Spirit wants to move, the Spirit wants to speak, the Spirit wants to teach. And so they're together as a church, and the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I don't know if they used, the Holy Spirit used the prophet to speak that out. I don't know if it was something that was said on their heart. I'm not sure. It doesn't say. But it does say that the Holy Spirit spoke. He said, I don't know about you, but that's what I want. That's what I want in our ministry. That's what I want in our churches. That's what I want in our individual lives. To where we are in tune with the Spirit when it comes to vocational ministry, because that's what Saul and Barnabas, Barnabas were. They, they were going out on, on missionary journeys. They were going out and they were planting churches. And we'll be dealing with that for the next few months. There are several journeys that these men will go on. For vocational ministry, mission work, planting churches, it, it's not something that you volunteer for. So I see Ben, he's in the back room there. Stand up, Ben, real quick, please. Ben, give it up. I mean, you didn't need to. So, so Ben, college minister at Sherwood Oaks, stay up. Uh, college minister at Sherwood Oaks, um, he's going to be taking students on a mission trip to Guatemala. He's got information here tonight, okay? Great opportunity, great trip in the conference room immediately following. Just go out there uh, in the conference room if you have any desire. Get some information. Take it home. Take it home. All right? Sweet, Guatemala. Yeah, you're good, you're good. All right, so vocational ministry, mission work, planning churches, it's not something that you volunteer for. Listen, it's not something that you volunteer for. In verse 2, it says that they were called. And so for someone who's going into vocational ministry, like that's my, my 9 to 5 per se, it is a calling. It is something that's stirring within your heart, within your mind. You can't get rid of it. It keeps coming back. You have to look into what this means, right? It's a calling. These guys, they were called to head out to Cyprus. Hey, you're about to get in a boat. We're going southwest with the word, okay? So we're going we're gonna to sail to Cyprus, and we're going to take the word of God there. We're going to plant a church. That was their vocation. They didn't volunteer. They didn't get up in that church worship service and say, hey, who wants to go, right? And it's okay to go on a mission trip. Different. I'm saying calling. This is, your, this is your vocation. This is your call. They were called. Okay, these men were called. There are people throughout this ministry that have been called. Sarah Bynum has been called. Haven't you? Yes. You're like, what? Yes, you have. I mean... Josh and Laura out of Purdue, there's a calling there. Stephanie Michael out of CSFIU, a calling there. We got three guys. We have Mr. Shu who was here preaching last week. He's discerning. He's struggling. He's wrestling. He's wrestling with, is this thing like what I should be doing with the rest of my life? It's not a better job than something else, but it's a wrestle. It's a call. He's not sure. He's going to continue in that call, that wrestling with that. Um, Grant Gardner, possible intern for CSF next year, maybe, I don't know, maybe I, well, I should have talked to everybody else about that first, but that's common, anyway, 
Um, it's, 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 I, I, I interned last year, and I really love youth ministry, and is this something that, that God's putting on my heart for the future? Right? It, it, it's a call. Brogan's been wrestling. He's here somewhere right there. Had a number of conversations. He's been wrestling. Is, is campus ministry, is ministry vocationally something for me? And, and so you pray, and hopefully you pray over an extended period of time. It's not just dropping one prayer and, okay, I heard from God. But you're in prayer. You're in conversation with spiritual leaders, and you're asking God, is this for me? Is this what you want for me, for my life? Because if it's not a call, it won't last. Does that make sense? If it's not a call, it won't last. I don't believe it will. And so you pursue and you engage in conversation, and, 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 and that's, that's a vocational minister there. I would submit that regardless of the call, whether it's mission work, church planning, being a doctor, being a, an educator, a teacher, a nurse, a business person, whatever it is, whatever the call is, I would say, man, have those conversations with spiritual leaders. Does, it, does this fit who I am? Does this fit my gift package, my talents? Is this something that, that I would do well in? Maybe you have that conversation of, okay, um, you know, how do I use this for God? I mean, how do I serve the greater good? Right? How do I do good and, and love my neighbor as myself in this business, in this call? It's not about making money. It's not about affording me all of the lifestyles that I want in life. It's about going on from here and serving the people that are in our neighborhoods, the people that are in our communities. And so, man, have those conversations. We would love to sit down with you and talk, whatever it is that you feel God leading you to do in your life's work. Verse 2 I love that Luke says, the Spirit says. Again, the church and Christ followers, we should expect the Spirit of God to be speaking for the Spirit of God to be moving. He does this, though, through what? Through a still, small voice. Okay? Typically, I'm not hearing the Spirit just shout out. It, it, it's a small voice to where the Spirit is speaking. He uses a teacher. Maybe it's from the lips of a fellow believer. Maybe... Um, it's, it's just you reading the word of God. But the spirit speaks silently oftentimes. Has anyone here ever, ever struggled to hear the voice of the Lord? Has anyone struggled to hear the Holy Spirit speak? Anyone? Right? Honesty, if we're honest, the, the, the freaking hands should be going up. Excuse me. Can we edit that, Josh? Um, whoa. Uh, no, like seriously. Um, I startled myself there. Um, whew, yeah. Um, have we ever, have we ever struggled to hear the Holy Spirit? I mean, I have. And if you answered yes to the question, then maybe it's just quite possible that, that we're not position, positioning ourselves in such a way to hear the voice of the Lord. Does that make sense? Maybe if I'm struggling to hear, maybe I'm not in a good position to hear. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, there's a lot of commotion. There's a lot of things going on in individual lives 
and even in the churches. I think we all at times have dealt with or struggled to hear the voice of the Lord. And so maybe we ask ourselves the question, how do I better position to hear? What do I need to do? Can I have buy-in here? What do I need to personally do to hear the voice of the Lord? Maybe we need to slow down. Right? I mean, life is just crazy. Maybe a bad week to say that with, with dead week and then finals and craziness and all that. But you know what I'm saying. And like, maybe we just need to slow down. I mean, that's, that's something that, that has value. Because we, we're around noise, we're around people, we're going, going, going. And then we go to something like this, and it's like, I didn't even hear the Lord today. Didn't hear the Lord to speak, you know, what's going on. I mean, what keeps you? What keeps you from pursuing a relationship with Christ? And we can have all kinds of answers for that, Right? I mean, I, I think, I mean, this week to me was the greatest gift because I got to do something I just really thoroughly crave, even though I'm an extrovert, but I got to sit alone a lot this week. And, and I just love that. And so I'm able to evaluate, okay, what are the things in my life? What are the things in your life that keep you from pursuing a, re- a relationship with Christ? In today's culture, some of us are missing the spiritual practices that will bring us closer to hearing the Holy Spirit's still small voice. Right? I mean, anybody ever been there? I mean, there, there, are some, there are some practices that we're just not, we're not into. We're not doing it. We don't, we don't have time. I can't do that. I'm an extrovert. And I've heard people say that. And so there's, there's this idea, a beautiful gift from God. It comes in the creation account. Here's God the creator, God of the universe. And he worked. He created for six days. And then here's God, our example. After he worked, he said, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to rest in this thing called Sabbath. And I'm going to give that to you, and that's a pattern that that you should be a part of. That's a pattern that you should institute into your life, into your daily rhythms, your weekly rhythms. And so what is Sabbath? Sabbath is to cease, to stop working, doing nothing related to work for a 24-hour period. Now, we can get all crazy about this, like what day does that have to be, and... and, um, can I mow my lawn and can I cook a meal? And, you know, if you like cooking, why not? That brings you joy. You enjoy that. Why not? If you just love mowing grass, why can't you mow grass on a Sunday, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The work that you do. I mean, we had a student a few years ago that said she can do homework on a Sunday. Her Sabbath was a Sunday. And I, that blew me away. I was like, that's impressive for a college student. She said, I am going to set it aside. And I'm going to honor God. And that means she had to have her, her week scheduled out. But man, when it came to Sunday, I'm going to Sabbath. And I'm going to rest. And I'm going to worship. And I'm going to have fun. It's a gift. And we say, ah, man, I just I can't, right? Can't do it. It's a gift. 
solitude, the practice of being absent from people and things to attend to God. Solitude, again, is a beautiful thing. It's a time where we can just be by ourselves and with God, the creator. Henry Nouwen said this, without solitude, it is almost impossible to live a spiritual life. Do you ever take time to get away by yourself? Where it's just you and God. Or is that just silly? Like, is that just not even attainable in, 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 our, in our world that we live in today? And God is saying, man, I would love that. I would love that if you would set aside time and you would just go off and be by yourself with me so you could attend to that relationship. And then there's silence because you can have solitude, but there's noise, right? Whether you're, you know, you got your, your smartphone in the solid, no, that's not solitude. That thing you're and you're and it's no. Or maybe it's maybe it's inside your mind, right? Have you ever done that where you sit quiet and you're trying to attempt to be with the Lord and you're gonna you're gonna break the bread out and you're gonna read and you're gonna pray and you're just gonna be still and then your mind is just flooded and your mind is going crazy. I've been there. And you're thinking about the 15 things that you have to do. And so maybe, mm, so maybe, so maybe you have to sit longer in the silence. So the noise will just shut up, right? Silence. I mean, I want to be a part. And I tell you, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But I want to pursue those things. I need, like my soul needs that from the Lord. I want to be a part of a church, a ministry of relationship with Jesus where the Holy Spirit is speaking. And I hear the spirit of the living God. The last thing is the church sends. The church prayed, it placed its hands on them, and they sent off Saul and Barnabas. Set sail to Cyprus, go take the word of God. And so with this sending, um, we have a core value, build up to send out, right? And in the value, the desire is that we do things like this, and you meet with one of the campus ministers or one of the leaders or a friend in the ministry, and you're talking, you know, life and, and scriptural things, and you're being encouraged within, right? I hope you have those relationships. I hope you have those people you can go to. But the point is not to stay. It's not just to hang out with us all the time. It's not to never leave this place. The point is to be sent out. And so what does that look like for you as college students right now and for another week, right? What does that look for you, like for you? It, it's, it's I'm going to do this in my small group, in my meeting with a spiritual mentor, discipler. And then I'm going to go out there where I don't maybe know folks that are believers. And I might be a minority in that area. We talk about no love grow. 
you know, know a spiritual community, but know a community where, man, they may not know Jesus. I hope that you have those communities. I hope you don't go to like this campus ministry this night, this campus ministry the next night, this small group this night, and I'm hanging out with Christians. I hope it's not like that. Like I hope you go because we want to send you. We want you to go out in places where you love, genuinely love. The world needs people who will genuinely love them. Because that word gets thrown out and around a lot. So how do we do that in this ministry? Man, we want them, you, to have conversations, us to have conversations with people. We want you to sit down and share a meal with people. We want you to pray for them. What? Pray for a non-Christian? Yeah. Like they're sharing, they're pouring out that their mom and dad are going through a divorce or my dad's got a tumor or something. It's like they might not believe in Jesus, but you say, you listen, you know me by now. Do you, is it okay? Do you mind if I pray for you, for your family? Now, you don't have to freak them out and do it right there on the spot. Unless the Lord leads, then go ahead. I'm serious about that. But if you're going to say it to the person, you better do it. You better do it on the spot as you're walking away. You better hopefully have that on your heart throughout the week. And then the next time you're in class together or in that group together, hey, I just want you to know, man, you, you have really been on my heart all week long. I just can't get you out of my, out of my mind. I mean, I've been thinking about your dad. You know, I hope it's okay. I ask my, my family to pray for your family. But I care for you. And if there's anything at all, anything, would you please let me know? And I'll do my best to help you out. We want you to love people. And then we want you to grow. The biblical, theological, it's called sanctification. It's, it's you have salvation where you come to know Christ. And then from there on, you're growing more and more in this sanctification line to look more like Jesus, right? And so we want you to grow. We want all of us to be more like Christ. But also we want you to grow in influence. Man, if you talk to someone like that and you're genuine, you're going to grow in influence. You're going to have opportunities. We are sending out, probably tomorrow, a survey uh, about this initiative of No Love Grow. And I, please, will you please, please take like five minutes. It's simple. Fill it out. Write it down. If you want to share some of those stories with me live or us live, I love hearing those things. I love to hear what communities you're in, what you're doing, how, how can we pray for you in that. I love that. But would you please do that survey? All right. Um, you're also going to be sent to Christmas. We plugged it during announcement time. Man, if you've been touched by this ministry, then go. Go to your home church. What I cannot stand. Did I say something wrong, Jack? You okay? All right. What I can't stand... What I can't stand, I love Jack. Um, what I can't stand, seriously, is when somebody comes to me their junior year, or it's like almost their whole first year is done, and they're like, man, I had no idea that this place existed. I wish I would have known. Has anybody heard that? I have, over and over again. I wish I would have known. Shame on us. If we have a story, you guys can be heroes. You guys have a story. You guys.
guys can go out and say, you know what? I don't know if you know this. The rumor is I use this terrible place. What are they? I mean, come on. This place is all, they don't know who we know, right? Like you all are, are, are awesome, and I'm serious about that. I went to a Bible college, and I see what you guys do and, and the real world that you're in, and the Lord is in this place. I've seen it. It's not perfect. We're not perfect, but the Lord is here. Go tell that story. Go tell how it's impacted you. We're sending you. Stephanie, come on up. I'm done. We're not done. I'm done. All right. 